again to another episode of horror cult this is victor moreno along with kirby nelson bringing you into the darkest worlds of film criticism discussion and analysis with two of your favorite people from the phoenix horror community you love us from mad monsters you love us from cult classics or terror tuesday or you might loathe us either way we're going to take you deeper into film criticism than you would in a body horror film so this week, we're going to talk a little bit about the living dead, not Nosferatu, zombies. True story. True story. Beyond belief, fact or fiction. No, we're going to talk a little bit about zombies. That's right, guys. Uh, it's the 35th anniversary of Return of the Living Dead and over 50 years since the original, the one that started it all, Night of the Living Dead. And we're going to talk about the future of the zombie genre from films to comics. Has it jumped the shark or bit it? I don't know. <laughs> Lucio Fulci would know better than I. We're going to talk about that. We're going to do a little bit of a recap on Mad Monster and some other local horror events that have been going on in the last two weeks since you last saw us for Horror Cult. And if you like us, Subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash cult classics. You can always find all these links to where you can find us as well as on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts on our website, cultfollowing.co. And as always, Horror Cult is part of the Cult, cult Following Podcast Network. Yeah, boy. Yeah, network. That's right. If you like us, be sure to check out View and Spew Review and Cult Following always on the same feed. You have stuff coming at you all the fucking time from your favorite guys here at Cult Following, Horror Cult, Cult Classics. Yeah. Yeah, you do. That was some <laughs> nice, nice, shameless self-promotion. I know. We're, we're going to have to get some sponsors going at some point. I just need to like work in some like terrible reference. Before we get into zombies, let me tell you about Dollar Shave Club. That's true. And, uh... uh... The VPN one. Those are the two big ones. That that's what we need. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. I know. It's Virtual like, Shield. That's it. That's it. Get, yeah. Get, a, get us some money. Because you know, uh, when you're traveling abroad, you don't want the government following you. This custom VPN is essential. That it is. To masking your identity from would be hostels. That's true. That's see. True. I got all this shit worked out. We just got to get the the cash flow going. Oh well. Oh well. There's like they're doing a uh, Wu Tang Clan like uh, mini series like based on like with actors playing all the members of the Wu Tang Clan. I think it starts in August on Hulu. It, I, it's just it's so stupid. It's like born in Shaolin, raised in New York. I'm like, oh my god, it's so dumb. Well, I just said there we there we will or something instead of that we will. So I guess I went to the ODB Academy of uh kids who can't read good yeah so right. it's it's all right rest can't in read peace, everything big, rest in me. peace big baby jesus <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right get so, the money yeah dollar dollar oh, bills, bills y'all 
No, uh, so the big thing we had happen the last few days, I guess it's like officially a week now, uh, was Mad Monster Arizona latest yearly installment of our, uh, you know, con- local horror Half convention here. strong here in the valley. Right? So, you would yep. never think, but yeah, as always our favorite show of the year, and, uh, you know, Kirby had a unique ex- uh, perspective being a bit behind the scenes. Yeah, it, um, they, I kind of got to do my trial run this year and stuff. Um, not as immersive and as I'd hoped, but obviously, like I said, it was very busy. We did a lot of Summit Fly. I was brought in a little bit later. I've always done a lot of consulting and stuff um, uh, for Mad Monster, but it was my first actual show with them, and uh, I had a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, I did some stuff behind the scenes helping with... Uh, you know, uh, floor floor management, helping with the show and stuff like that, and the, the talent uh, are a wonderful guests, of which we had some of the best we've ever had. Um, definitely had so much fun with that. But um, you know, worked a lot of the the merch and stuff. Which, if you've seen cult classics at any Phoenix or uh, many California events, you already know me behind there. But um, it was actually a very different experience. So that was really cool. Um, I mean, like I said, I, I love Man Monster. I always have, even before I became a part of it. And it's, um, you know, I don't say it as anything other than the honest truth. Anybody who knows me um, is well aware of how I feel. It's just that, you know, uh, anybody's lived in the, the, the Phoenix area for 10, 15 years. Victor and I both have been here uh, about the same, about 15 years. And, uh, you know, really there was only originally like, um, International Horn Sci-Fi Film Fest. There was, and then they tried Rapture. Um, yeah. Had one successful year. No, they um, did two. Well, they had two, but they had one that was actually really successful. Oh yeah, the second the, show. The, the second show was really good. The first yeah. year, and like I said, I do want to give respect because there, there was the second show was really good, and I felt could have kept going, but um, the um, and then like FearCon had a couple good years, um, especially because they were more of a film festival than a con. And um, I thought they had a lot of great years, too. And so it was fun, but it was just very infrequent. It wasn't something, you know, the experience always varied, whereas with Mad Monster, it, it consistently gets better. Um, and, uh, you know, this year was tailored more towards, like, the 13 guests, 13 ghosts. Um, plus one, we had uh, Zach Galligan kind of show up last well, minute. I, it, he, he was, like, number 13 because Tom yeah. Savini didn't show up at the, the end. Yeah, so we had, but it was a, I mean, it was a good, solid group, and, yeah. um, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, the original, I mean, all the, the guests, you know, were incredible. I think uh, it was one of the more diverse between, uh, you know, classic and uh, modern, I mean, especially newer stuff. We always get to have at least, one, the last couple of years, have always had um, someone make the first appearance. Last year was David Howard Thornton. Uh, Art the Clown from Terrifier, the Sheriff Miracle Ramirez from uh, Curse of La Llorona. And so we were just real, like, blessed to have a lot of different kinds of um, uh, individuals show up. I mean, always the, um, you know, we always have the, the panels I have never seen so packed in my life. They were literally, like, Matthew Lillard's was out the door. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was a fire code violation. <laughs> but uh, it was, it, he, he was amazing. Um, but everybody had had a pretty uh, pretty large panel. Everybody I peeked into the few I was able to sit in for a few minutes um, when I wasn't behind the scenes or wasn't working um, up front. And I just feel like you know we um, uh, the 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 costume contest was huge. It was like 
25 or 30 participants. We had um, Victor will, will fill you in on um, Skariochi as he is always both right. an attendee and a performer. I, I was fast asleep because I was exhausted. But um, the uh, but I mean, everything generally, I mean, each of the days when Smooth Friday um, was like the biggest day ever because it was the Elvira photo op um, that night. And I think she originally pre-sold like only, you know, she had a couple hundred and she doubled it. She did like, I think almost 400 photos. Yeah. I mean, she, and she, um, I mean, she's just amazing. In yeah, so well, many Friday, ways. Friday was like the Saturday of most cons. And yeah. It, it was ridiculous. Like between that and like love paint and stitches and like, you know, uh, if you guys do enough horror cons, you should know about love paint and stitches. They do, um, these handmade like, uh, handbags that basically are like, Usually look like Halloween pumpkins. If you've been to like any horror event in the last couple of years, you'll have seen somebody with these bags. They're yeah. very handmade. They're very hard to get. Like the line for them at Monster Palooza is usually at least two to three hours long or something along those lines. Very much. Yeah, they are. It's just insane. Right? Yeah, and they have. But you can tell like the quality is there oh, 100%. Yeah, and basically like this was their first show out here and like. At the same time, Elvira had a giant line outside. They had a giant line on Friday going from their booth to the front door. Yeah, that was the very first person I saw who came through the first door because I was right up front. And uh, the first question I had was, where is Love Pain Stitches? So Yeah, so I mean, I was actually really happy about that because that was like sending traffic down our way. Then on Saturday and Sunday, they did like a kind of a line management thing to kind of try to get that a little more under control but like they had a lot of inventory left by the end of the show so was, i think a lot of people spent money on photo ops this year this year it was like a big thing yeah it was a big photo op year uh, a lot of autographs and stuff and like i said a, a lot of different kinds of guests so people i mean mainly of course always horror but i mean you know bleeding into action pop, general pop culture and stuff comedy um, you know, a lot of people that just, um, you know, I've never met at cons and or yeah. I mean, I've never even seen a tent or if they do, it's somewhere back East. I mean, out West and stuff, a lot of these folks I've never even seen. So, yeah. And a lot of people also came to see the, um, the Annabelle puppet. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. Uh, uh, from scary closet that Ally Phoenix brought. That was a lot of fun. There was a lot of good photo opportunities. There were a lot of great horror cosplayers. Uh, many of whom were in the, of whom were in the costume contest. Um, that dude who does the, the from Death Note, he was also Slender Man. He oh yeah, I saw that guy. Time. There, I mean, it's just it's impressive. There was a great Candy Man I saw trick or treat. I always love somebody did Jennifer's body, which I oh adore. I saw that so, girl. Yeah, so that was awesome. That's another one I need to do a custom figure of. That would be awesome too. Because yeah. I don't that one's gonna take I think Neca a while to get to there, mm-hmm. but. Um, the um but yeah just overall i mean just another you know it's a whirlwind every year um you know it's great to see a lot of my friends um that i just you know i only get to see once or twice a year at conventions i definitely got a shout out to um little shop of gore forever midnight uh knee high horror attic flood monster posse demonic infestation um there's just so many i i can't even think of them all um there was so many people uh the paul bear press uh it's just a vinegar syndrome. Our friends locally here at Severin and Zia Records, just so many good people like um, that uh, we're really lucky uh, to see um, every year. Curious Goods. I mean, 
it's always such an immense um, amount of uh, um, local talent and people coming from both regionally and from other areas. And so we just always have a lot of fun. Um, you know, it was, um, it's just one of those things, like I said, just goes by so fast. And then I'm like, yeah, I can't wait till next year. So, um, you know, we definitely will have announcements here. Um, uh, we'll give people plenty of uh, heads up, but, um, yeah, another year on the books. Um, can't wait till next year. It's, um, I got to do a lot of the photo ops. If you follow me on social media, you've probably seen all my pictures, but, um, I, the only one I just, I mean, I like, I have to take a moment to just say how incredible Doug Jones was. Oh um, yeah. He was really nice. Every year I have someone I'm, I, I most, you know, everyone has their top pick or the people they want to see the most. And, you know, uh, different years, it's been different people. And, uh, for me finally getting to meet Doug Jones, who has been in, I mean, it's just the, you look at his filmography and it's just incredible the amount of characters he's played. And he's one of those people who obviously is usually beneath makeup or, you know, a prosthesis and stuff, but he, you know, he, I mean, no, he just isn't a, you know, an Academy, best picture of the year Academy Award winning film, which is integral to, but every role he's played, I mean, like, I've literally grown up the last 20 plus years with Doug Jones. In fact, I mean, since I was a kid with Mac Tonight, I mean, right. I always remember that commercial because of, I just thought it looked so cool. And, um, you know, they always say, like I said, like, I think I posted about, like, don't meet your heroes. But then you meet someone like Doug, and he is everything and more that you would hope for. Um, just the kindest, most beautiful, wonderful person. Um, he just talks for a long time. He, he hugs everybody as huggles, and he's just so sweet. I mean, he's just, just one of the most amazing people in the world. And, I mean, anybody who's met him, I'm sure, would agree. But, I mean, for me, it was just, um, I don't know. It, it just, it, it exceed, he exceeded all expectations. Yeah. So I was really glad to spend time with him, and, and lots of other guests were great too. Um, I I really thought Matthew Lillard was one of the funniest people I've ever seen. Like his panel was great. His uh, he came into the Q and A or into the photo op beforehand and gave everybody high fives, and he just was just very very cool. Like uh, another person I kind of grew up with, you know, in the later years of my life and um, like high school and college, and he just. Um, he, he was rad too. Just everybody was great. So it was a lot of fun. I, um, you know, you can't, of course, if I haven't met Elvira before, it'd probably be my top one, but yeah, she's always amazing. So no. there's, there's nothing else to say. She yeah. is the one and only. She is a legend. No. And I, I had a really good experience the first time I met Elvira. So I almost like, yeah, I don't really need to do that again. You know? And, and it's like, yeah, Doug, Doug Jones is like very nice, you know, I told him the whole story about like when I heard, you know, met Guillermo del Toro and I posted like the picture of the two of us on like Facebook. I was like, oh, is that your uncle? <laughs> you know, because we kind of like look similar. And, he, and then he was like, oh, I can see it. I can see it. And then like we were talking from after a while and he was kind of like, yeah, I'm going to have to leave early tomorrow. So I'm only going to do the photo op, you know. And I have dinner with my cousins. I have real family here, unlike your bastardization with Guillermo. <laughs> so that was really funny. Yeah, I mean, he did, yeah, the crazy, like, oh, bringing me in with that hug, huh? Yeah, it was very nice. And he signed uh, uh, that really nice uh, anatomy chart I have from Shape of Water, which is, like, the only autograph I got this year. And then, um, speaking of your other doppelganger, I also want to give a shout-out to Robert, uh, 
1984. Oh, yeah. He's a great dude, great pin maker and stuff. Awesome person. And Victor's uh, long lost. They, Victor had joked uh, that they were gonna, they should have done the us, the little. Oh yeah, no, thing. I I told him about that on Friday, and he's like, oh, I totally would have done it too. <laughs> that would have been funny. No, we ended up at his after party on um, like you know, on Saturday too. We got there like at like two. We only stayed around for like a little while. So I'm like, yeah, at that point it was like a little bit ridiculous and like you know we not as ridiculous as the metallica cover i heard about oh yeah no because we did we like took over like the the uh ignala whatever the fuck that restaurant is called i gotta watch it with the f-bombs if i want to you know keep this on the up and up with podcasts yeah that's like, true you gotta be very yeah. careful i i will work to do this yeah thing. but um basically uh you know, we we after the show did on Friday, like uh, Adam, uh, our good buddy, if you follow our podcast from Cult Volume D and Stu, was nice enough to reserve a table, which was basically like the uh, Alamo slash cult, you know, family table. Like we, it was like weary uh, last supper. I think we had like at one point like twenty people at that table, and we had it the whole night and. Uh, they ended up starting out, starting karaoke early just because there were so many of us in there. And, at, you know, the one point the RIPD party was going at the same time, like they sent one of the girls in there to try to get some of us to go to it. And we kind of like, yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> I was a little drunk at that point and like, uh, and I made some off color, you know, notes like, get out of here type deal. We got our own thing going on. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, you know, was doing metal songs all night long. I think at one point I did, uh, you know, Inner Sandman, and I got I got some Hatfield pipes on me. There you go. You know, and then like, everybody was like going along with it because our, our other friend who was uh, with us, Sarah, she's she's a very good singer, and she was doing like Lady Gaga, like the one from uh, that the movie with Bradley Cooper. Oh, okay, the Star is Born. Star is Born, and she like nailed it, and she did the the that little mermaid song mm-hmm. any part of your world yeah. yep she was like hitting those notes people Sweet. were yeah so we had quality karaoke going on and i'm doing like metallica and like you know not butchering the fuck out of it mm-hmm. and then matthew lillard runs up and starts playing air guitar and doing the metal horns while i'm singing so that was pretty fun it was right be, be, before he and sean like booked off to uh r.i.p.d or something you know but that was pretty fun. Well, as I understand, a lot of attendees ended up, uh, a lot of them told me, like, oh, I went to the strip club last night. And I'm like, in Fountain Hills? Like, like no, I'm over at Scottsdale. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, well, that sounds, that sounds more correct. Uh, that sounds a bit more right there. But they said, uh, yeah, they have they had a lot of fun. Went out. A couple of them went, actually, they know your favorite, uh, Watering Hole Undertow. Oh, so yeah. Undertow is very nice. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, all in all, a lot of fun. It was... Uh, it was a really, really long weekend. Um, the uh, actually, uh, the kind of uh, pre-show was um, Alamo Phoenix hosted uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah. So uh, went to that, um, and it it was two shows. He just had one show and sold out. So they had. That's a second. crazy that he agreed to do two because, yeah. like, I was telling people like. You guys know this is like a lecture he does. Yeah. It's not like, you know, some weird like slideshow. Like, I'll talk for two minutes. Here's a clip. Yeah. You know. And it wasn't like just a 
off the cuff Q and A. Yeah. I mean, and not only was it a lecture, but it was over two hours. Um, so we got, I got there at like five, five in the afternoon to get ready for the the meet and greet. And the yeah. meet and greet was um started probably like six. The show was supposed to start at seven. And the meet and greet lasted an hour and a half, and they still had to half the line, cut in half, so that um, the people could do it after the show. Because by the time it got started at 7.30, I want to say the show was done about 9.30. We had clips. Mm-hmm. Um, it was How the Redneck Saved Hollywood. And it was probably one of the funniest, most entertaining shows I've ever been to. Um, you know, I mean, anybody knows Joe Bob grew up with it. Is, uh, you know, he, it's a lover, hate it thing, but he just absolutely slayed. Like, yeah. I, I just, I loved it. I know. But and I, I can't I, believe he I did always, a second show either. Yeah. Like, and uh, I, I'll, I'll be, you know, because Joe Bob is a really nice guy. I've heard him talk enough times, but like, I'm, I'm always kind of the country, and like, I was never a big fan of, uh, monster vision you know and i you know trust me i'm not slagging anybody it's just like sometimes things hit people different you know you know but it's like i'm i'm glad he's making a cool comeback doing that and everything so that's rad yeah i mean i i've only caught like one episode of last drive and you turn off shutter I know, which you are always amazed by. I'm like, I have 4,000 movies. Yeah, like, I mean, basically, I'm like, I have Shudder and I almost never watch it. I mean, like, I already have everything on there. Yeah, it's just, it's a hard sale for me, except for problems. I know, exactly. And here I am, like, someone's like, think I'm doing some shelving talk, but I'm like, I'm not joking. I literally probably have somewhere between three and 4,000 films now. Yeah. And it's just kind of, you know, I haven't watched half of them. And it's not because I'm doing it like, oh, I just buy stuff. It's like, it, it's a classic Twilight Zone. They're like time enough at last, I'll right. eventually be able to start working through these. But I mean, it's like people are always asking. I mean, just our last episode, you hit me with like four or five movies. I'm like, I still haven't seen that one yeah. yet. And it's not because I don't want to. It's just a matter of time. And I mean, my schedule's just it's it is a first world problems thing. But it's also just that it's hard to devote time to to movies there, yeah. like where I can only do a few a week. No, and, and my thing is, too, like, I'm still selling off, like, chunks of my collection because I buy a lot of stuff, and then after I have it for a year or two, I'm like, um, no, like, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I sold my Massacre video of, like, a Black Devil doll and Quad Ed Zone because, mm-hmm. like, I like those movies. I, you know, like, I show, like, one of my birthday, I think my 30th, 30th birthday party, those were the movies I played. But at the same time, like, I've had that box set for since 2013 and never watched it again yeah and And i was like okay this will probably make somebody else happier than me you know i have a memory from meeting chester arthur and all these people it's like why do i need this box that i know like you know probably never watch again so that makes sense yeah yeah it's that's a difficult maybe that'll be a future episode about you know first world collection problems but yeah. I just feel like, um, you know, with a lot of these st- like shows and stuff and channels, it's just hard to keep up with. Um, and then, I mean, I have Prime, obviously, Netflix, and a million other things. And it's just, um, it's one of those ones where uh, it basically, like a lot of other channels that are fighting for viability, it's basically your exclusive content mm-hmm. that you have. You have to have something no one else does, and that's, yeah. that's getting harder and harder. I mean, it's it's crazy to think some of the stuff that's available i mean 
Yeah. Now, some of the Shutter material, like, uh, you know, I watched the Critters uh, series they had, and it was not my bag. Um, they just got, like, Knife Plus Heart, that new Vanessa Paradis lesbian, like, slasher movie, and I'm always like, that sounds interesting. I don't really know that I want to watch it. But Weirdly yeah. enough, though, I, I still have been pretty damn good about uh, watching the Hulu ones, the Into the Dark. I already saw, like, uh, this month's, they just debuted yesterday. Uh, it's called Culture Ch- Culture Shock. It's got uh, Barbara Crampton in it and uh, Creed Bratton from The Office. It was, okay. Yeah, it's like a kind of like, uh, uh, directed by Gigi Sal Guerrero, basically. Like, most of the movie is actually in Spanish. And, like, it's about, like, this uh, these uh, migrants that are trying to cross the border and they get captured, and Creed Bratton and Sean Ashmore from the X-Men movies uh, are basically work for the government, and they're trying to uh, do a sort of a um, play on, like, uh, well, what if we capture them, but we'll save money by trapping them in a VR scenario where they think they're in this idealized Pleasantville version of America? Hmm. Yeah, and they're like, they have feeding tubes and like, you know, oh, you think you're in America, but you're really in an internment camp kind of thing. It's kind of like, almost felt like a spin on like, like the purge meets kind of the Matrix kind of a deal. I was thinking a human centipede meets no. gamer, but that's cool. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, Barbara Crampton is like the this AI, like that's basically uh, trying to keep them all trapped on Main Street and mm. on, on the 4th of July. And it's like... It, it's interesting. It's it's more than a little preachy, and I kind of feel like they've probably done so many Purge movies at this point that that's like the only dial they know how to do. You know, it's like oh, like there's a you know post credit scene where like they're making fun of Trump and everything. Sure. And it's like it you know it's a good performance. The main girl in it is um in that Netflix show Altered Carbon. She was the. Um, it's a good show. You should okay, watch that. Check it out. But um yeah she's like the like uh the, the female cock on an altered carbon that you know half of her dialogue in that movie in spanish too but yeah I, other than that i was like it it wasn't as good as the last couple months but it was at least pretty good and barbara crampton still somehow doesn't age and i don't understand that yeah she she looks better now i saw adrian barbeau this weekend at oh Monster, yeah she's she, just like oh my god you're timeless i mean she is so gorgeous still like I mean, she always will be. She's yeah. one of those people who just is amazing. There's a lot of people who are, but I mean, it, it just astounds me. Um, but speaking of preachy, I did want to dip quickly into uh, uh, The Dead Don't Die, which uh, oh. I was able to catch a screen of. And uh, wow. Yeah, that one is... I wasn't a fan of that movie. That is the bottom rung of my uh, my uh, my uh, picks for this year. I yeah. Just, and you know, people have been trying. Uh, people, I think, both in our our circle have been trying to uh, convince me, or um, what do you call it, uh, educate me on the merits of it. And I just, I can't find um, anything. Yeah, I mean, the things yeah, I no. liked, I liked, and that was it. But overall, it's just. Ooh. I watched a lot of Jim Jarmusch movies, and I I don't even think it really works as a genre deconstruction. I think it's a which big, is what the goal was. Yeah, obviously. and I kind of yeah. think it's even like a big step down from the last time he tried with like uh, uh, only lovers left alive. You know, it's there's just ways to do something like this that isn't uh, 
stupid and pandering. I don't know. That was kind of my take on it. I I feel like at the time I was kind of almost 50-50 on it when I first saw it. I'm like, there's things in here that are making me laugh, but I don't know if it's from absurdity or genuine humor. And now being far enough away from it, it was just kind of like from absurdity, you know? Yeah, it's pretty absurd. Well, it's supposed to be without, I mean, like I said, like got a huge amount of spoilers and stuff, but it's supposed to be very fourth wall breaking. Yeah, constant. and I think From that was one beginning. of the things I didn't really care about it either. It was, like, a little too cute about that. Well, like, I it was riffing it. off of the the fact that there's so many well-known actors in it. If, and that's, like, if that's your riff on fourth wall, like, okay, you know, we're really well-known and we're in this movie. That That's, like, well, that's all you're saying. You're well-known and you're in a movie, you know? Yeah. I just, um, like I said, if they, I actually like the fourth wall thing if they had stayed dedicated to it throughout the whole movie. I mean, really yeah. dedicated to it. Because, oh, they were. They did this, this, and this. And it's like, yeah, but it wasn't really, like, committed the way I wanted it to be. It's um, It just seemed a little referency to me. Like, and I don't really, if I want a genre deconstruction, that's what I want. I don't want, like, you know, like, like something like epic movie or scary movie, like, Look, I'm referencing something. Well, yeah. Well, this aimed for a scary movie and ended up with yeah. Stan Helsing. Yeah. So that's that's the way I look at it. But, I mean, that was probably... Uh, I mean, I really haven't enjoyed a lot this year um, so far um, in any genre. I mean, but especially horror being my most beloved. And I know you feel the same. Yeah, so it's, I, it's, I, I, I kind of wish there was more this year that I could really say I like. I've watched multiple times in that genre and, like, really enjoyed it. You know, I think The Perfection is still kind of at the top of my list, you know, and, you know, even that has issues, you know? Like, I, I, I'm just, like, I, I like, I don't want, like, some, like a rape, revenge, horror movie to be at the top of my list at the end of the year, you know? But at least it had good body horror elements. I mean, fuck, dude, I list... I just watched the new season of Stranger Things, and I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm like, there's more body horror in that than half the movies this year I've seen that say they're body horror. Yeah, which has become a real, uh, yeah, real, um, like, uh, trying to yeah. make an active niche again, where people are like, oh, we're, you know, we're all acolytes of Cronenberg. Right. It's like, you're doing the master wrong. I'm just, yeah. And I will say, if you like, like, The Stuff or Night of the Creeps, you'll probably really like the new season of Stranger Things. No, I, I did not like, I haven't watched it. I did not like the previous season, so. Well, they also, like, got the number of episodes way down. That's it's only good eight episodes long, so it actually feels like you're watching a long movie. That's good. Because yeah. that's really important, because. I about halfway through Stranger Things season two, I was already done. There's two. There, I, I it's mentally season out. one and two were too long. Like yeah. I think six to eight episodes is like a good length nowadays. Well, that's the way I feel just generally. I mean, we talked about that. I know on uh, on call following. Yeah, Castle here. Rock was too long. If yeah. it had been six episodes, I probably would have been less disappointed with it. Which well, is like uh, like start strong, finish strong. When you get beyond the fifth season, usually of any given series. You're just destined to. Yeah, I don't like it when stumble. you're watching something and it actively feels like filler. Like this is will have no payoff. This is just to buy time. Like like the the last season of Game of Thrones had entirely too many episodes like that in the first half of the season, 
And then the second half of the season, they're like blowing through shit like what? That's the way I felt about the last three episodes of the seventh season, right? Was it was the sixth season, seventh season? Yeah, the last season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, well, that's the thing. I mean, I actually just finished uh, Game of Thrones, the first. I haven't watched the last season yet. It already, obviously, I know almost everything that's going to happen yeah. just because, you know, it does. But, I mean, I honestly had already checked out of the series, like, after, the, I think, the fourth season. Um, I just didn't think it was very good, so... It is what it is, but I mean, in in horror, I just think it's it, it, in horror. I think you just absolutely, um, yeah. I think I there's it's kind of like uh, people talk a lot about the golden age being in the eighties, and I'm like, you do notice a lot of those movies are between seventy eight and eighty two minutes, don't you? Yeah. Like, I mean, seventy eight, maybe eighty seven is the longest. I mean, almost everything's under an hour and a half. Yeah, and it feels like nowadays if you watch a movie and it isn't like two and a half hours long, somehow you vlogged. Yeah. So stupid. Well, that's whatever. Yeah, I don't. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> rah, rah, rah. Old man yells at Cloud. But right. I mean, what, they just re release Endgame with six extra minutes? It's like, yeah. what are you going to do? Well, I mean, most of the time when you have that kind of stuff, that's the selling point for the Blu ray or DVD or whatever. Yeah. Is, is that, oh, we added the extra footage and stuff, and people. When you're talking a lean movie, like 90 minutes or under, you know, it is interesting. You're like, oh, well, there might have been some scenes I would have liked to have seen. Plus that, I mean, deleted scenes when DVD and Laserdisc first came out. I mean, that was like the biggest thing in the that world. That was the biggest thing, and now it's like, whatever. Oh, like, Us had so many of them, the Blu-ray that just came out. I'm like, that at least made it worth the purchase if you bought it. But, like, that's, like, the not the norm anymore. No, you know? not at all. And well, I mean, I, and I don't want to put like you know some of these boutique distributors on blast, but I'm like, you know, like Night of the Creeps just got re-released, right? If you got the collector's edition, you got like, you know, extra slip covers and a toy and a poster and all that shit. But try to tell me how just a Blu-ray of it is worth thirty dollars. Well, that I can't justify that. That's too much money. What's well, the harder part of? I think for those companies, I mean, you have people who are just, I mean, flippers and speculators is the people who really bring it up. But a lot of people, it's just like, I mean, my whole thing is I don't own it. I'm, my goal is to try to move away from double, triple, quadruple dipping. For Night of the Creeps, I didn't own the Blu-ray. Um, yeah. It's one of my favorite movies. So I bought it. I bought the, I wanted the Atkins figure. I wanted the poster and the slips. But for me, it's justified because I didn't already own it. Yeah. So the twenty bucks that I already spent on the first Blu-ray, now I are now I'm much it's a, uh, easier to justify. But a lot of these, I mean, we're not talking like I mean boutique. I mean, you look at like uh, well, no, we're what do getting you call in the foreign born, you know. The, well, um, like what yesterday? Uh, it was yesterday, the day before. There's like some like label i'd never heard of called dark force i think oh doing the dead pit yeah and they were putting out this title dead pit i think on vhs or something well no it's uh uh, uh, dark force is basically code red code Uh red basically in scorpion split into several labels they were doing stuff with uh the twilight time series um of uh blu-rays from uh from uh god what is the name they do uh film scores um just can't remember the name off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Screen Archives Entertainment. There we go. Oh, okay. So Screen Archives Entertainment. And then they also started another boutique that's Ronin Flicks. Okay. And then there's now Dark Horse. And Dark Horse already got into some stuff with um, 
they put out a, an old war anthology on Blu-ray called Screams of a Winter Night, which has never had any release. And they originally said, well, we're only doing 200 copies. Okay. And now they just, when like Dead Pit came out yesterday, they were like, well, we'll give you a copy of Screams of a Winter Night. So it's like, how many movies do you have? How many copies? And then the Dead Pit was supposed to be the VHS box art. It was oh, supposed okay. to be the light up eyes with the 3D um, printing. And so a lot of people were excited. I didn't own Dead Pit on Blu-ray. I like the movie. I have the old Code Red uh, Best Buy exclusive. That's dating myself there. Yeah. I bought that in the store like 10 or 11 years ago. But I like the movie, so I bought it on Blu-ray. But it's like, I mean, you know, like the ludicrous stuff they were trying to add in. I'm like, I don't need any of that. I just want the movie on Blu-ray. Yeah. That's all I want. I didn't no, know and, and I I'll ha- take the slip. Yeah, yeah, and I had friends who were like, you know, I've got all my stuff lit, lit up. When the fuck is this thing going to drop? Because I don't have all holiday to waste away. Yeah, that was this. me, one of them. Thankfully, yeah. I had a buddy out in, uh, on IG uh, who everyone should follow. I really mean this. Uh, Gore Forever. He's like my, uh, him and there's a website, Broke Horror Fan, that, uh, that I just use them to find out what's coming out and decide because they always post the best stuff that's coming out. Yeah. And I make a decision based on it. Like, I'm like, do I really want this? And then I can, you know, fra- uh, partition my, my limited funds on it. But yeah, I mean, I, there's, and that's, I mean, in the end, that's the whole joke is there's just too much stuff. There's too many things. Well, yeah. To buy, and so. it's sold out and literally like within 10 minutes, you know, copies that hadn't shipped out yet were going for like stupid amounts of money, which know? we always circle back to the Mondo mentality. Yeah, and it and that is what it is. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I buy some of the re-releases. I, I a lot of them I don't. I just you know, it's whatever. And there's just there's uh, there's too many companies releasing towels. I'm grateful for so many companies, but it's also getting to a point where. Um, that I just can't keep up, and I don't, and so I finally like was able to kind of let go of that, yeah, which was a huge relief, and you know now I'm just being able to focus on a few things, but um, um, I I kicked it off with Dead Next Door, or I'm sorry, Dead Next Door, Dead Don't Die, yeah, like, Dead Next Door is awesome. Um, wh- uh, anything you've seen lately that you've really enjoyed in, um, in the genre? Yeah, like I said, I watched Culture Shock. That was all right. Stranger Things season three is pretty solid. Um, I'm trying to think if I've seen anything in the last two weeks or so that like, you know, I mean, other than that, I mean, I've watched stuff, but it hasn't been horror. It's just, yeah. You know, because I've had to like, uh, you know, watch Spider-Man for uh, the website and some other stuff. I need to like post stuff on there. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's just been like, uh, I wanted to watch Midsummer, but I didn't get around to that because we had um, the VHS swap last Monday, yeah. which is always is a good time. Definitely at Alamo, and then like next Tuesday we've got a uh, you know uh, sleepaway camp, which is going to be a good time too. So much fun! It's going to be a slasher fun summer here. Yeah, at Alamo. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, well, like I said, speak on. Dead Don't Die is one of the worst films I've seen this year. The best film I've seen this year so far is Midsummer. Uh, I just posted my uh, review up on callfalling.co of it. Um, you know, I keep I, I was tempted to go back and add a little bit more, and I may update it here with some additional because I had to 
I was so busy with Mad Monster, Joe Bob, and my regular life, I um, had seen it. It took me about a week to post, but um, I mean, as people will know, uh, Hereditary was my favorite film last year, so Ari Aster, like, having another film out within a year, I just was like, well, you know, I, I've got the highest hopes, but um, I, all I'll say is, is that, I mean, if you enjoyed Hereditary, it's a lot of the same themes here. Yeah, uh, but it is uh, a very, to me, a very different film, and uh, I just, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen much this year. There's a lot I'm looking forward to, but I mean, I just, I was really, I was not as impressed and shell shocked as I was with Hereditary, but I really, really enjoyed it. It was a, a true experience, and that's what I like—the slowest of the slow burn. And I think I put in my review, and I'm. It's the best description I can come up with. It really is Willy Wonka meets the Wicker Man. And so if you enjoy, like, I, there's people like Conley Hereditary, who, um, although I'd say it's much more prevalent here, where it's almost more of a dark comedy than a, than a horror movie, but it's definitely a horror film as well. It's, it's pure psychological horror. And, I mean, that's what he's good at. Um, I, I'm very comfortable saying that, you know, I feel like his career... You know, I can't wait to see what he does next. Now, if he does another one with the same kind of themes, I don't think I'm going to be as excited because I think he's just going to be wearing out his um, welcome. But I felt that this one was different enough. It just wasn't as good. So I made a lot of comparisons in my review hereditary. It's not just because of the... Uh, I didn't want to make it sound like the sophomore slump because uh -huh. it isn't. But it's just... It, it's the best film of the year, but not as good as hereditary. But I recommend everybody uh, goes and sees it because it's one of those films like Hereditary that you need to see uninterrupted in like a theater. Like yeah. if you're at home, you're going to be on your phone, you're going to be doing stuff and things like that. So, But I mean, other than that, I mean, I haven't seen a huge amount. Um, I've been kind of, they've added some stuff to Prime I've been checking out and things, but, um, you know, I haven't been able to finish a lot of them, to be honest. So it, it's hard to to watch a lot of the movies and stuff um, and everything else I've seen in the theater has been uh, has been horror um, except I think I can't even remember the last episode did we talk about Child's Play had it come out yet um, I don't believe we did no we didn't yeah Child's Play is the only other one I saw uh, I don't know if you haven't had a chance to see that one no I, I, would, I, didn't, I didn't plan on watching it yeah I might have a review up on that one too yeah so. I think I, I think I had an issue this was in my grumbly thing where I was getting irritated at how many reviews I'd read of it that were clearly the person didn't like it but was trying to be way too nice about it because the studio gave them candy <laughs> and this is like one of these things about uh, as far as horror websites sometimes bug me for like there's this like I feel this tacit thing going on where like so, a lot of like bigger horror sites don't give horror movies negative reviews and it really annoys me because like like, I'm just laughing. My it's head going, good just fun. Victor and I grew up over the pretty much the same age, same generation. So you're basically saying it's the Game Pro model. Like yes, the fun yes. factor is a five. You guys just turn your brain off, and you'll have so much fun. Yeah, that's definitely a line. That yeah, and I'm just getting tired of that. Just like you know, if the movie isn't good, just for fucking once, just say it's not a good movie. I, I, I at least to me, like, because I try really. At least, I think we in general on our website try really hard 
to give nuanced reviews of things. Like we don't do like star systems or thumbs up, thumbs down. It's like there's an impression. Like here's what I liked about it. Here's what I feel it's touching on. You know, but up to, it's like kind of up to you to decide. You know, I don't like being like four four point seven five stars out of ten. And I'm not trying to like rag on people who do that. You know, more power to you. Maybe that's the model you like. But I literally am not a fan of that. I, I like hearing people's voices and, you know, seeing like, okay, if they like this, then they might like this. I want to see, like, you know, like a writer's journey in, in that sense. And this feels kind of pompous, I guess. But I, I'd much rather follow a writer than, like, you know, lowest common denominator, thumbs up, thumbs down, you know? Yeah, I hear you. Well, and some of the reviews are so they're kept to like a paragraph each or a couple paragraphs it's like well what are you really telling me yeah it's like i if you're in the back page of like uh, a local paper or something that you have to keep it to a, a you know 100 words or less i might understand for space but i mean especially in the online realm it just blows me away i mean i hear what you're saying about it i mean i guess for me um there's a difference between something like i've reviewed on like cold following stuff a movie like fast and furious yeah it was eight Am I a fan of that series? No. Did I enjoy no. the movie while I was watching it? Yeah. It was a lot of fun, especially because I saw it in IMAX. But it's yeah. it's one of those things, like, while I'm watching it, I'm enjoying it. But that's the thing. It's like, I'm just giving my impression on that. Not that I watched it down the line and went, oh, did I really, really love this movie? No, I didn't really no. love it. I just enjoyed it. And that's a huge difference. It's kind of like we always talk about people trying to get to this point where they're like, oh, um, like uh it's like the whole elevated horror thing or you know i'm into academic it's just anyone with film like yeah where their only films they have in their their um collection are criterion and it's like if you think all the films in the criterion collection are the best films ever made that's totally great like no that's just like but i guarantee you don't have the rock or armageddon or robocop or any of those movies because oh, the, 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 uh, Armageddon is in the Criterion collection. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's the joke. Is like even they don't have those though, yeah. because they're so pompous. They have to have you know. It's like I can't have the titles that someone would know, right? Like who would pick them off? You know, you know, Joe Sixpack would know what I'm talking about. And it's like I, I there's a meme going around where it's a you know high T kind right. of thing where it's like uh you know i love the uh the nuanced nature of whatever this thing is and it's like a picture of kurt russell's stuntman mike below going fuck it let's watch sleep oh i've three. seen that yeah it's like the two kinds of horror fans and i'm like that's yeah. true though well it like, is i mean i got into this discussion online not that long ago where um i'm trying to remember what was somebody posted this list of you know their five personal favorite horror sure. movies you know, and I didn't agree with it, but I wasn't going to talk about it because, frankly, that's their five personal favorite horror movies. Definitely. And then people started arguing about it. And uh, so, uh, and somebody local, you know, got into it and said, well, here's my five favorite movies. And, of course, they're all, like, from the 1920s and 30s. And I posted a comment. And I'm like, you know, that's great. I'll so, see. I'll see you at the box social. Yeah, and it's like you know, but if you're talking about speaking to like a modern audience, it's hard to get so many like movies past 1980. I mean, just like 
most kids who are into horror right now, like the active horror fandom, like, you know, I've got my battle vest of pins. I go to, I, I, you know, I'm all about like, you know, the witch or whatever. I'm not trying to stereotype anybody, but the kids you see like in movie theaters, but it's true. It's, it's it's just like, yeah, like, you know, most horror podcasts are just 1980s only. Well, I saw somebody recently that like online, I told them that, they should check out an edition that somebody had done. Um, I don't know, Shout or Arrow or something. Right. I was like, this is the way you should see this movie because, man, the supplementals in this are amazing. It's the only way you can see the um, unrated director's cut the way they intend. No, I'm just going to get on VHS. And it's like, okay, I get the VHS thing. I'm a fan too. But like, if you really want to see this movie and you enjoy it, this is the version to get. It, it's kind of like the argument over like the 4K thing. Yeah. Constantly. It's like, look, if it's a movie I, I think is going to be great in 4K or was meant to be seen that way, I'm going to get it. But I'm not going to rush out to replace all my movies. People yeah. having like class war discussions about like it. I mean, they are because it is. It's like if you're saying DVDs. It's like, oh, God, DVDs. And it's like, dude, if I can get DVDs for 50 cents and it's a movie that's never going to be on Blu-ray, why wouldn't I buy it? Yeah. Like. Most know. things are never going to be on Blu-ray at this point, you know. Of course, people want to jump in the next format, and Blu-ray never took off the way DVD did. Oh no, not. I at mean, all. a lot of people are like, "Why do they still do Blu-ray DVD combo packs?" It's it's to try to get you to buy a Blu-ray player because yeah. DVDs sell way more every year than Blu-rays do. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge gamble for uh, Sony, and you know, and you know, with the PS. Uh, three and all that and it's like they obviously won but at the same time it's just one of those things where it's i I guess like i said i mean it's Mm -hmm. however you want to enjoy your movies enjoy them but you know leave like you were saying kind of like i leave your attitude yeah go at the door with it it's like tearing people down stuff is never cool bullying harassment are never cool but it's the one thing that's always not cool is posers it's just like and I'm not going to call anybody out no. on being a poser because of my criteria or anything. But I will say that to people who are like, everybody, you know, everyone has to get in at some point and to be respectful and cool to those people and help them. But when you are someone who is literally buying your identity, like they are, it's, it's you're buying an identity. Yeah. Like, I'm going to call you out on that because that's just you, you're buying literally the key pieces of whatever it is or so that you have bragging rights or any of the stupid stuff like no and that's the whole thing it's really easy to do that nowadays unfortunately and like you know you know there is this whole thinking going on like right now like you know this this summer like at least with terror tuesday like i tried to program it on a theme so we're doing like some you know summer camp slasher movies you know, there's Sleepaway Camp, there's The Burning, and then there's Friday the 13th Part 6. And my thinking with that is, you get somebody at least get at least three, I feel, essential movies that I feel are like largely underseen, you know? Because, like, if you talk to people, like, nowadays, like, it's very hard to find somebody who's seen a Friday sequel on the big screen, because whenever Friday 13th gets played, it's literally always part one. Like, I can... It's either part one or, Ver, or Freddy versus Jason. They never play any of the other sequels anywhere. And it's like, how hard is it to, like, show a hockey mask Jason 
movie because that's what people are expecting. I've been to at least two or three screenings of Friday One where people had never seen it, and they're so like, funny. "Why is Jason not in this movie?" Yeah, well, and that's like I said again. Yeah, everybody's got to start somewhere, but yeah. it's like this is why you start with. It's like it's easier than ever, and that's the cool part. You don't have to have all the money. You don't have to have all the stuff. You just have to have an interest in it. And if you do, that's great. Mm -hmm. But, like, if somebody says to you, like I said, that, like, hey, I'd recommend checking out the movie on this format, and you're so committed to this forged identity you have that you have to have it in a specific, uh, like, system. Like, it has to be VHS or it has to be Laserdisc. Mm -hmm. It's like, what's going to be easier for you? to find i mean it's like it come on like let's be totally honest oh yeah try i mean honestly i only know one person in my entire circle of friends who has a laser displayer yeah it actually works well they're mostly they're one yeah they're very hard to find functioning ones most people buy them as decorative and that's cool too yeah. whatever you want to do and like i said vhs is awesome i love vhs it's what i grew up with and i enjoy it but I, and i like watching certain films on it but i also you know, enjoy a lot of the other movies. And it's like, this is the reason why, because this is the way they were actually meant to be seen. Yeah. And you can always go back to the VHS. It's just like remaking a movie. It's, it's not, it, they didn't rape your childhood. They didn't ruin your life. You know, it just, it's fine. You know, just enjoy it. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. That's all we can yeah. do, man. It's, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as we have our little old old man yeah, on the lawn discussions, <laughs> <laughs> the Grand Torino times. But uh, I, um, I don't know. Maybe that. Uh, speaking of well-aged things, I guess we can launch into the. Well, yeah, the and honestly, maybe that would be a good idea for like a future episode. Like, here's a primer of like some essentials you should see because it would benefit you in watching other movies. I, True. I always think that's good because, like, God, I, like I said, I was talking to these people online and got to the point where, like, look, I know there's a lot of people who shelf collect, but, like, if you're going to watch any of the Universal Monster movies, the one you have the best chance of liking is probably The Bride of Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah. And, like, if people are like, it's not Frankenstein, and they're like, no, because The Bride of Frankenstein has a story structure that you can identify with and a simple enough story that you can get behind. I honestly think the actual Frankenstein movie is kind of hard to get through. It's like, in most of the Universal monster movies, especially Dracula, if you're, watch, you're essentially watching a stage play, you know? True. So if, you're ha if you have an issue with sitting through, like, you know, like, like when Fathom Events does those, like, Oh, the you know the Met Opera presents da -da -da, Frankenstein starring like actor you know. If you have an issue with that, you're not going to get through like Frankenstein, you know. True. Yeah, but well, and that I mean that's just I mean that's one of many things. But you're right. Most people are not going back to Universal Monsters. They're going to the '80s and the '70s, yeah. maybe the less of the '70s. Even one time I was at Phoenix Comic Con and they had a contest. That, you know, just one of those things to bring up people from the audience and we trivia and stuff. And one of the ones was uh you know you got to pick you know first second third got to pick the genre or, or um time period one and i defend the 1970s and you know it's like i'm gonna lose probably no matter what because of the 80s nostalgia yeah but i was like look at this man texas chainsaw massacre exorcist jaws alien hills have eyes uh suspiria i mean 
pretty much every major Hallmark film that you can that people call the best movies ever. Yeah, was launched in the seventies. I mean, there was a lot in the eighties too. But I mean, people are like, I'm like, just really think about it for a second. The movies you say you love, you know, they were at this time period too. It's like at least a half of what you say you love most, and um, you know, especially if you love European horror. And yeah. It's just, it's one of those things where I'm just blown away by it. But it's, you know, people are like, oh, no, no Freddy, no Jason, no, you know. And it's like, okay, great. It's I got easy. You. And the thing is, it's really easy to get combated about, like, 70s versus 80s horror. And, like, honestly, you could be like, put it like this, friends. Like, you know, night if without 1982 or 1986, would you really be, like, arguing so passionately for this decade? You could argue, yeah. You could argue every single year of the nineteen seventies is much better, has better horror films uh, that are referenced more frequently than uh, any decade, any year in the eighties. But in the eighties, it's also sure it's the most enjoyable. Yeah. So so be it. But you know. Yeah. No, and while speaking of the eighties, like I mean, like look at this nineteen eighty six. You got Return of Living Dead, which we're going to talk about. You know, and, yeah, it was working us getting off our lawn chair yeah, a few I, minutes ago. I know. I just had to finish my point. I it, know you did. It's all but good. But yeah, it, it's like, you know, it's July 5th, not July 3rd, but like, you know, 35 years ago, we had uh, Dan O'Bannon's uh, Return of the Living Dead. You know, you could argue like one of the most underrated horror films of the 80s, but one that like feel like that like genre mix formula has been like way more successful in what we call zombie movies in the last like decade you know and you would then like you wouldn't have shit like Shaun of the Dead without Return of the Living Dead Zombieland all the big, yeah. big horror comedies because um, Dan O'Bannon and company took a huge huge risk I mean at that time in it I mean it really was I mean it was definitely if you've seen More Brains the feature length documentary on Return of the Living Dead you realize like I mean, it was a man, monumental undertaking. I mean, it's one of the few that I'd say to me is a is one of those perfect films. I love Return of the Living Dead. I can literally watch it any time mm-hmm. um, because it has so many unique features and blends so much so well. I mean, it's genuinely got some really unnerving moments, um, especially as a kid. I, I mean, the first Tar Man appearance with suicide scared the hell out of me, and so did. Uh, there's more subtle stuff like I think. Uh, Freddy's kind of demise there. Uh, yeah. It's real freaky. And then the uh, part with, uh, you know, him and the, uh, uh, getting in the uh, crematory. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of, like, Kisses really. wedding ring, all yeah, that Yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some heavy stuff, but then it's, like, one of the funniest movies ever. Yeah. So, and it's, like, one of those movies that's, like, unapologetically, like, you know, like, we got to hit the checklist somewhere on our nudity Nudity and profanity well dan o'bannon especially made sure there was playing nudity oh yeah the whole thing with crash is just insane you know it's like i remember watching it trash Trash, that's it um and it was just like yeah she's just straight up stripping in that in that cemetery and i'm like that and then when she gets killed all the hands i'm like man like that works so much in terms of like what it's saying and more than one level you know, all these ghouls getting their hands on a, on a naked chick. You know, it's almost like an indictment of the audience on some level. But at sure. the same time, it's just like, you know, that's got to, you know, that had to be genuinely scary for her. There's no way I've seen it. Like and it was. She says that it was 
definitely unnerved her. And I mean, Linnaeus Quigley is one of those people, you know, who had, who had already been used to a lot of uh, nudity and a lot of exploitation films. Uh, same with Jewel Shepard and a few of the other women that were on there. I mean, Beverly Randolph playing this straight woman, literally, like the definition of it. But, um, you know, it, it's just one of those movies. I mean, it's, you know, like I said, you, you, when everybody talks about the zombie genre, it's funny that you reference, like, the universal monsters. You know, it's like you think about movies like Bela Lugosi's career, like, with, uh, you know, White, White Zombie. zombie yeah. And then you think of all this long lull of movies. I mean, there are zombie characters in films, but I, the zombie movies, I mean, really did start with Night of the Living Dead, which is also celebrating over 50 years. I mean, it's a half century of Night of the Living Dead now. And I mean, it's, but that's like, it's two generations from 68 to like 80, you know, six. I mean, that was, you know, 20, almost 20 year gold standard. Yeah. And then, but then at the same time, Romero was already copying himself with Dawn of the Dead. And then Return of the Living Dead and Day of the Dead, which came out, 85. 85. They both were, you know, huge. Oh, which, by the way, of course, in the film, it's 35 years. It's 1984, July 3rd. But it's the movie came out in 85. It was shot in 84. I mean, it's a. In, in 68 for, uh, you know, uh, Night of the Living Dead. But you just look at me. If you were to talk, get somebody, any random horror fan at convention, and start having them list off zombie films, I mean, it's going to vary by age group. But, I mean, you know, I, I doubt White Zombie or a lot of the older zombie films are going to be on anybody's list. I mean, pre-1968. Oh, God. I mean, it's just one of those things where, like, I would argue, like, trying to find any kind of, like, voodoo or Haitian zombie movie would be hard to find. Like, oh, Serpent in the, the Rainbow. Rainbow. Is that going to be on your list? I kind of doubt it. Yeah. Or you even, know. you know, what is it? Like, I, uh, I Eat Your Skin. Um, there was, you know, there was a few other movies yeah. and stuff. I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I go on and on, but I mean, when people talk about me, I'd say you have that period of like the, the Romero trilogy, uh, return of the living dead, even part two and three, I mean, are, are, have, a, um, you know, real, um, soft spot in a lot of people. And then you kind of go on into the modern era I mean, starting with, you know, I would say, well, and then it becomes that is it a zombie because you have your 28 days later and then you have Shaun of the dead um you have zombie land you have all of these movies i mean i was the be, mainstream the, yeah the 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 21st century was i mean it, it's weird for people who don't know i mean just a couple of days ago they announced the end of the walking dead comic which has been running for over 15 years and i mean robert kirkman the creator i i mean originally it said he was going to run for like 200 300 400 500 issues depending on when you talk to him yeah and that show is a, is a huge show i mean obviously the first really successful zombie show but there's so many of just shows now um in that that i mean the walking dead spawn but that's kind of the thing you go back to i mean like all these movies that are spawned so x begat x like Shaun of the dead begat um zombie land and uh 28 days later, you know, you could say, you know, a multitude of movies. I'd say any movies. And, you know, you have all these different debates, fast versus slow zombies, rotting zombies versus people like recently reanimated, whatever way you want to look at. Yeah, because it. it totally depends on the genre, like so much of the time. I mean, like 
you're gonna look at something like tombs of the blind dead or something like oh shouldn't those guys just be dust but you know that was the thing they're mummies not zombies right you know, that was always this thing and it's like so it's tech. I mean, there's another. It's like people always ask about, you know, going on the ripping on the Universal monsters thing. People go, why don't we have any more mummy movies? Like they did the mummy films. Yeah. But I mean, and then Tom Cruise, they they keep trying to do the dark universe, and you know that didn't work. But it's because I mean, certain things like, uh, you know, even the the ratio of um, vampires and zombies versus werewolves or something um, is crazy. Mummies. Uh, what else you got? I mean, you know. There's characters that are, are literary, literary, you know, uh, Hunchback, the Phantom, you know, they, it's like, can you do that? Well, yeah, thing? and then like, when you look at zombies, those are like one of the few genres that are actually birthed for the screen. Like, the modern yeah. zombie was created in a movie, not in a book. There's very few, I mean, like, it, there's very few things you can say like that. I mean, like, true hopping vampires might be the only thing I could think of besides that's just like specifically a movie creation. That's how we look at something that has no like origin on the printed page. Well, the hopping vampires, I mean, has a legend, I mean, in, in Chinese folklore. Yeah. But I mean, that, and, and zombies obviously have folkloric mythological tradition. Yeah, but right. it's just there like, a screen, yeah, it's a screen zombie. The way the zombie looks, it started with Bill Heinlein. The cemetery zombie yeah. number one. I mean, Night of the Living Dead, and then you have, um, you know, whatever you say. I mean, Dawn of the Dead has a cottage industry of people who just show up at conventions because they're yeah. so beloved because they were the plaid shirt zombie, helicopter zombie, Krishna zombie, um, nurse zombie. I mean, it's awesome. But like that, you that was a that's a big part of zombie films. Return of the Living Dead has so many iconic zombie characters in it um, yeah. that it's like, and that's, that's another successful thing. But then you also have ones like Shaun of the Dead, where the humans are the uh, recognizable, identifiable character. They have a cult following. They have a Yeah, there's a not really uh, any recognizable zombie characters in there so much. And that's what you can argue the big difference in. The 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, had a lot of that and then once the 90s and into the 21st century moved on it was about i mean that's the premise of the walking dead is yeah that they are the walking dead it's all about the survivors it's about the human characters which in most any other movie you'd be like i don't give a shit about these people like all i want to see is the monsters yeah but that was a development that was a change and that wouldn't be without uh, but that also wouldn't be without Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead, without all the social commentary. Yeah. Without the our, our, our vested interest in the characters and desire to see them survive. Yeah. No, it always goes to that idea. I've talked about this a few other times when we talk about zombies, because God knows we've done enough lectures and talks <laughs> about them over the years. But I, I think <laughs> part of the whole like allure of zombies in general is that whole thought that it's you know your own mortality is the biggest fear that human beings have in general and uh yeah you know like you you, you know like there's so such of the cottage industry in real life of oh how will we dispose of your remains and it's like you know you could go for like the cheapest option possible but like it always comes down to the idea like oh i want to be sealed in the most 
hermetic coffin ever because you don't want to accept the fact that you somehow are you know don't, won't have conscience in that period and literally you're just going to be in a dirt pile of matter you know it shouldn't fucking matter but it does because of traditions and all that stuff you know and just like you know we we all go through our day thinking you know tomorrow is promised and we don't have that anywhere as a guarantee so that's why it's like this ultimate like sort of damocles over us like death you know i feel like i'm about to narrate faces of death for right now that is true that's very true (laughs) death the unavoidable i'm dr francis gross (laughs) you might be demoted to traces of death here if you can't get it more uh more uh slow and scummy but you know we'll see what happens yeah no, I mean, it's definitely Spawn. It is. It's the classic, uh, oh, and that could be the opening to half these movies we're talking about. Is that kind of, uh, you know, it, it's, um, you know, I always think of John, both of you still to this day, that John Larroquette narrated the opening of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. But it really is. It's that very um, documentary style, like sound. And that's what people love i mean it's the same thing it's weird that um the other big phenomenon of uh of the 20 like the 90s especially into the 21st century is ghosts and paranormal um events and entities and stuff and it's also inextricably linked to death and the idea of what happens in the afterlife um you know and so those i mean those are the big ones so obviously people went from you know myth myth of uh you know, something supernatural like vampires or werewolves, these creatures. And then, of course, you know, you also have the third big one, which was the human monster, the serial killer, the, right. the cannibal, whatever it was. You know, I mean, obviously, um, you think of like the uh, Academy Award winning horror films, really, the big two were Sansa of the Lambs and Misery, where, mm-hmm. I mean, and those are the most human. Uh, of killers but the most inhuman at the same time so i think what the zombie genre is it's always focusing on like i said the human characters and stuff i think something that carries two throughout is the idea of but also isn't discussed as much it depends on which one you're talking about some it is some it isn't but it's like the 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 lack of desire like you're looking for a cure you don't want to kill your family or friends yeah you want to contain them you want to you know, you have some hope or vested interest in doing that, but like, you know, because that used to be a much more common theme. It has happened still a lot. I don't know. It's it's it, that's something else again. Another dimension of the human condition, and obviously, like our desire to know what happens um, after our existence. And so, zombies. It's like it's weird that zombies are a hope in a way because it's mm-hmm. like oh well you're gonna live on forever um even if you're not functioning but like something like return of the living dead it's it's a um i don't know if you can call it glass half full but it's like oh yeah because they, they have consciousness, consciousness and yeah. they speak but then they're in pain yeah the pain of being dead so mm-hmm. it's like is that really the life you want for your loved ones or something like that so it just becomes this so many different so complex social issues i I would argue that you the the place you'd want to be a zombie like least would be the return of the living dead universe yes because i mean yeah there's no upside there you could be like a squished run over pile and still be able to 
think and feel that you have a brain, you know, and it just gets worse in the ensuing sequels, you know? Yeah, part three is a, is definitely heavy. Um, I, I've always been a huge fan of that. I, I really thought Brian Musna did a great job, um, but it's just one of those ones where I think it's it's such a, um, you know, I mean, such an immense downer, which I love in horror films because I love reality. Yeah. And zombies is a supernatural thing, but it's it's not reality. But people go, oh, my God, what if it was? Because it's much more realistic than thinking I'm going to turn into a werewolf or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's more like, oh, my God, could we, especially with, um, what do you call it, advances in science and chemicals and, you know, who knows. That's chemicals, not chemtrails. Let's not let's not get on that. The yeah. wrong kind of yeah. podcast. Yes, yeah. But um, I mean, I think people do have it. I mean, like right now, I mean, our bodies decompose at a much slower rate because of preservatives that we use. Yeah, I mean, our bodies are actually being preserved. So I mean, you know, it's one of those things. Like, who knows? Like, you know, how people come out. One I really liked, by the way, and I because I can't spoil the ending if you if people have never seen it. But to me, the future, like, because that's something I think is important to talk about. When you kind of look at the last 50 years of zombie films and, and the undead and whatever, was there was a film years ago called The Revenant. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I still have a copy of that. Yeah, I love that film. It's one of my favorites. And I think it's the idea of how we would actually deal with the living dead. That's it to me. Um, I, I, it's basically like a vigilante zombie movie yeah. um, that tr- takes an incredible incredibly morose turn in the end but it's something that i love like as a social commentary i think it's great um i think it's something so powerful without being preachy or anything like that it just tells it like it is um and i absolutely adore that film so that's kind of like if i were to take a pick right now i'd say that's it but overall i said it's just i think the hard part is trying to get to other themes i think that's why people are doing movies like um kind of like overlord and they're yeah. trying to do different time periods and not just like the pride and prejudice and zombies and things like that but i mean i think people are trying to use um different periods of time locations like desperately trying to use uh, sometimes it looks like a template kind of feature yeah um another underrated one too on the horror comedy tip in the vein in the vein of a um, Return of the Living Dead that I really loved in the last 10 years was I Sell the Dead. I thought that was great with uh, uh, Dominic Monaghan and, oh, uh, yeah, and yeah, Ron that, Perlman. Yes. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. So like like I said, I, I think you know horror comedies are a lot of, are one of my three favorite subgenres. So that's, that's something I'm always going to really enjoy. But I just, zombies are just so, it's, it's so overdone. But at the same time, it has so much room. Yeah, there's a lot of versatility. I mean, one of my favorite zombie movies is uh, Della Monte Delamore. Yeah, I agree. You know, and it, or it's, if you see it in the U.S., it's called Cemetery Man. It came out in uh, 1997. And uh, it has Rupert Everett before he was big for My Best Friend's Wedding or Black Mirror or anything. Uh, he plays a character that's... If you've seen Dylan Dog um with uh brandon oh, routh yeah it's the same character essentially like uh, he plays this uh he plays a, a caretaker at a cemetery in a small town in uh italy 
where the dead, if you bury them, like, within a week, they come back from the dead. So, essentially, the city pays him to make sure everyone they bury stays dead. Which is, like, it's a really dark, um, meditative comedy with kind of, like, a mindfuck of an ending. But, uh, it, it's, like, he falls in love with this girl and she dies and then he's waiting for her to come back from the dead. I don't even know if it can be said as a mindfuck as an ending as mindfuck as a movie. Like, oh, yeah, no, there's there's a lot of fucked up shit going on in that movie. He falls in love with one girl who's, like, uh, you know, was, you know, virginal and then turns out she was raised so she can only be with a eunuch so he's literally gonna get his dick chopped off at one point you know and then she gets raped again and she likes it it's not a pc movie folks it's a no not these italian horror movie not in the least yeah and so yes you know he, he doesn't get his dick chopped off he like injects himself with um something that makes him impotent so he's trying to get it reversed and i mean i'm sharing the worth the dumbest parts of this movie it's a really well done movie with a lot of contemplated stuff the grim reaper in this movie is a character that's really cool and executed really neatly um and then like one there's like a this main character nagi who's like the assistant caretaker and he falls in love with the decapitated head of the mayor's dead daughter keeps on the television set it's just a really good movie. You wouldn't even see something. I don't think this visceral today. No. It's very gory. Like they kill a bus full of Boy Scouts and they all come back from the dead with like chattering teeth. It's super unnerving. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. It's one of my favorites. I just I laugh thinking about it. like Victor's so much better than I am at describing some of these movies. I just realized when I was talking about the Revenant, I kind of got into. I'll, like I said, just real quick for those interested, it's like a. A U.S. soldier dies in war, comes back, and you know, undead. It's like after during like Raptor's funeral, basically, and ends up becoming like a vigilante. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just a very it has this huge dark comedy aspect for the bulk of the movie, and then this denim that is like just heavy as hell. Um, and then I sell the dead is one of my favorite historical subjects, which is uh, resurrection men, which were like grave robbers, basically yeah. that sold for scientific purposes, um, you know, bodies they, you know, would you know, consume and stuff. And, of course, it was big business for, uh, you know, all of that. And so I, I – but it's just such a funny story. It's it's such a, uh, a genuinely kind of almost like warm and stuff in a lot of ways. But then it's just so dark and messed up. Like, I don't know. Uh, Ron Perlman is, uh, you know, has kind of like a bit part. Don't think he's in the whole movie. But he's in the kind of like the wraparound, and it's just great. And then – um, Dominic Mayan and uh, I'm so sorry I forget the other one's name is in it. Um, they they have such great chemistry. The other uh, the other great is it Andy Serkis? It, it, no, Andy Serkis is in the remake of Broken Hair. Oh, that's which what is I was another thinking. great resurrection yeah. man with Simon Pegg. And um, there there's a lot of great uh, Broken Hair. Both the original and the remake are great as well. Um, and uh, so, but those are ones to check out. Any yeah. other ones? You got good whole other horror comedies or. Other zombie movies just that you think need attention? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to think. Uh, like, I mean, overall, like, I, I, there's lots of underrepresented ones. Like, Andy Circus, sorry, real quick, and another one is, uh, God, I'm trying to remember, is it Death Watch is a World War One um, zombie movie 
that he's great. And there's two of them. There's Outpost and Death Watch. But Andy Serkis is in Death Watch, I think. That's a great... If you're into, like, war zombies, that's a great movie. Yeah, Larry Fessenden is the other That's what I was just going to say, but I couldn't... Because I was thinking, I'm like, is it Larry Fessenden? Because he's... um, He's probably in your brain because he's also in A Dead Don't Die. die. And he's great. He's one of the greatest directors. He's also one of my favorite parts of uh, We Are Still Here. Um, he's uh, he's such a great director and actor, but um, yeah, it, that's uh, it's definitely a really really good one to watch. Death, uh, yeah, Death Watch um, is one to check out, and so is Outpost. Um, so yeah, some good stuff with Ray Stevenson, fucking Punisher himself. <laughs> and I just realized we totally hit our f bomb list. Sorry, guys. I think we're solid. Yeah, I think you're, I hope we are. You're um, not you're not expecting us to say frack or something. Yeah, the Andy Circus one is Death Watch, and it's the uh, the World War One, the Western Front, which is one. I mean, horror movies in the Western Front or World War One are so rare. World yeah. War Two, it's becoming more because everyone the whole Nazi sub- zombie yeah. subgenre. Well, yeah, and I and, you know for every shitty like zombie movie, and there's tons of them. I mean, you don't need me to eliminate that list. You know what's good and what's bad. There's yeah, all... but I like hearing. I I always think it's good to hear some ones. From I don't like bound footage song zombie movies at all i don't, I don't like found footage in general uh, any of the modern day of the dead ripoff you know day of the dead contagion day of the dead raised with the dead. you know all those just ignore all those they're terrible but like for the most part like you know uh, like you know there's good stuff like cemetery man you know, every few years or so, you're bound to get a good zombie movie. I mean, we have in the last couple of years because I did not care for Anna in the Apocalypse or um, The Dead Don't Die. But, you know, those might be your bag. I do love Anna in the Apocalypse, but only because I don't even consider it like a zombie movie. It's just such yeah. a fun musical. Like, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. But I hear what people are saying. No. But, like, even with, like, The Walking Dead wrapping up, like, the comic, I mean, the show went to shit a while back. You know, there's, there's, you're going to find something good um, um, amongst the detritus, detritus, whatever the fuck that word is. Another F-bomb. I'm sorry. So sorry. <laughs> but, it's yeah. It's Friday. It's you Friday. Know. You know, that's the real F-bomb. I have been hearing, by the way, that um, the one movie I'm supposed to see this year... Uh, our mutual friends, uh, Jen and Troy, have told me is uh, the Japanese film One Cut of the Dead. Train to Busan is good. Oh, Train to Busan is an Why excellent film. We talked about that yeah. last episode, too. Yeah. That's an excellent film. Um, I'm hearing really good things about One Cut of the Dead, so I'm hoping to check that one out. But, yeah. But, it, I mean, like, kind of go out on that one. What do you think is, since there is, zombies are so ubiquitous in media. Right. What do you think is the future? Like, what would you like to see that no one's done remember, without selling your yeah, million dollar I idea? For a while, like, Shudder would endlessly show the horde, and there's parts of that movie that are really cool to look at, you know? I think maybe the future is in other countries, you know? We're just too used to our tropes. All the good stuff seems to be coming from other places. Yeah, a lot of stuff is, yeah. is definitely uh, from overseas. I mean, you definitely see some very different stories. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that that's kind of the way of things, probably. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd hope with The Walking Dead, like, with TV, it would be better. But, I mean, it's, it's, it is, like I said, there were some great seasons of Walking Dead. And I love the comic. 
it's one of the comics that got me back into comics, but I'm also just, it's, um, you know, goes back to what we just said. You can't go past the fifth season. Like, when you, you that's a point of no return. Yeah. Just end up somewhere you don't want to, so. Never go fifth season. Never go fifth season. <laughs> All right. With that in mind, folks, I think we're going to call it a call it a day of the dead on this zombie edition of Horror Cult. Uh, let us know what your favorite zombie seasons are. Um, you know, we're always about your feedback. Hopefully you enjoy what you've been hearing. Uh, join us next time when we'll have more news from World of Horror and Beyond. Until next time, this is Victor along with Kirby Nelson. I can smell your brains! And until next time, send more paramedics. <laughs>